Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. I'm Jeff Stewart, your host. And in this episode, this is going to be part two of my interview with Steve, Jessica, and Matt from the Husband-in-Law podcast. And in the first episode that I interviewed them in, which was last episode, we talked about their story and about how they ended up where they ended up. So as just a quick review, Jessica and Steve were married for seven years, and then he came out as gay and they worked through it, but they ultimately ended up deciding to get divorced. Sometime later, Jessica married Matt. And Matt and Jessica and Steve have remained good friends and are working hard as co-parents to really raise their daughter and to build a good life together. They live close to each other. They communicate. They work through challenges and difficulties. They're in a mixed faith situation. Jessica and Matt are active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And Steve has left the church, but they are all working hard to create harmony, respect, and a really healthy environment for everyone involved. And if you haven't listened to the previous episode, do that first before you listen to this one. I know I always say that, but in this case, you're definitely going to want to, just so you can get to know these guys and understand where they're coming from. And you won't regret it. They're fantastic. And in this episode, we're going to get much more specific about what they're doing and what they're every single day to try and make their relationships work with each other and with their daughter. And this is not easy. They work at it all the time and they're very committed to the process of helping their daughter know that she is loved and giving her a chance to make decisions and have agency in this whole thing. I think you'll be inspired by it. I certainly was. And I know that it's possible to do this kind of work if everybody involved wants to do it. So let me jump in right now to the second interview with Jessica, Steve and Matt from Husband-in-Law. All right. Welcome back, Jessica, Matt, and Steve. It's so good to have you guys back on the Illuminate podcast. Thanks. Good to be back. So if you haven't listened to the previous episode, listeners, where we introduce these three, then you really just need to hit pause and open up the previous episode and listen to their story because there's no way we're going to be able to cover in this episode all the backstory. There's a lot there and it'll really help set up what you're about to hear in terms of how they're working together, co-parenting in this really unique situation. Because if you just listen to this without the backstory, you're going to think that these people are delusional. And <laughs> you That's might, true. You might still think that. <laughs> <laughs> but trust me, just for the little while I've gotten to know them and talked to them about it, they've definitely put in the time. They've done the work. They've, they're not walking around with blinders on. They've leaned into the hard conversation, asked the hard questions made the sacrifices, looked at themselves, and made some really tough decisions. And so what you're about to hear and, and the way that they've worked together and talk about these things is very much hard won. It's not something that you know you can just wish into existence or just snap your fingers and hope that it can just work out. It takes a lot of work. And so if you haven't heard that, go back, please do yourself a favor. Otherwise, don't blame me if you're finishing this going, man, that was the worst podcast ever. Jeff is like supporting something that totally can't work. <laughs> so anyway, you'll see what I mean. So let's jump into the co-parenting thing. I'm not going to go into your backstory. We already know that. We've already recorded that. But I want to talk about the co-parenting thing because 
there was obviously a little daughter involved in this, this first marriage with uh, Steve and Jessica. Her name's Penny. And, you know, when you guys got divorced and then obviously then bring in Matt into the mix, now we've got a really interesting step family dynamic also with Matt's kids as well. And so we, I want to talk about just how you guys are making that work. So I just, I guess I want to open, sort of open-ended, just ask all of you, you know, and we'll come back to this throughout as we talk about it. But if you were to sit down with, you know, a couple or, you know, a group of people that were struggling with just co-parenting and trying to figure out how to do what's best for the kids, as we often try and talk about, sort of a 30,000 foot view question here. What would you say has made the biggest difference in terms of trying to navigate what's really best for these kids in your guys' situation? So here's the question that always pops into my head, and this is Matt speaking, is am I doing this parenting thing right? (laughs) And that is a question that should never leave a parent's mind because it's a constant change. There's constant changes that will always happen day to day. And you just have to constantly ask yourself that question is, am I doing this parenting thing right? Am I co-parenting right now correctly? And the only way that you can answer that is, you know, communicate with the other parents involved and really figure out like what is going to be the best thing for the children at this time in this moment. It's a constant change. So it's not even for you, Matt, it's not even this, this like, am I doing, am I right? (laughs) Right. It's more like, am I doing this thing outside of me? the best way, right? Like it's like open, it's like looking at, is this the best way to do this versus how can I prove that I'm right? That I'm, exactly. you know, is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. It's almost like you talk about it. Like this is something that is almost like a fourth entity between the three of you, right? There's each of you. Yep. And there's, I don't know, I'm not very good at math, but I know that there's definitely more than three things going on here. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jessica, Steve, what would you, how would you answer that question? I just have to remind myself on a regular basis that this is not about me. This is about Penny. Whether it's a scenario where maybe I'm not getting what I hoped I would get out of it, or maybe I feel like it's not fair, or maybe it's a situation that I potentially could take offense to if I chose to. And it's just real simply, if I reset my mindset to this is not about me, this is about Penny, it becomes clear what needs to be done or not done. What's important. Mm-hmm. For me, I had two things that I thought of when you asked that. And the first one was honesty. Like you have got to be willing to be honest with this person and put yourself out there a little bit. And so the second thing that came up with that was getting uncomfortable. Like you're going to get in situations that you think, oh my gosh, I don't want to be in this situation. And I think Matt really relates to this. (laughs) He just smiled when I said this of, okay, I'm going to try this and see how it feels. And then Be honest with your co-parent, whether that's your spouse or the other parent of, hey, I really wasn't comfortable in this situation. Maybe this isn't something we can make work and let's try it a little differently next time. Or, you know, just being willing to to get uncomfortable and see how you feel for your kid. And then if it isn't something you're okay with, figure out how you can make it work so it does work and feels okay for everybody as much as you can feel okay for everybody. (laughs) Right. So Jessica, you're talking about like just really owning your own experience. Almost like you talked about in the first episode we did together where you talked about part of what helped you stay in the saddle and not just, you know, fly off the handle with, you know, Steve was knowing who you were and being able to say, okay, I can own my own feelings, my own experiences, and I could expect Steve to own where he's at. That's carrying over into the parenting thing, right? Which is I I can only be honest about what I'm feeling and what this is like for me. And if I don't share that, that's on me. Yes. 
for sure. Yeah, that's good. And so let's back up a little bit if I can. So when you guys got divorced, did Penny know any details or stuff like that around, you know, Steve, you being gay, even the pornography or the, the details around your divorce? Or did she just sudden, all of a sudden just rec- like realize, oh my gosh, my parents aren't together anymore. Like how much did she understand? She was only two when we got divorced. Just barely turned two. Just barely turned two. Oh, okay. So we were living in Oklahoma at the time, and we'd only been there a few months. And so I ended up leaving and going back to Idaho because we had a home here in Idaho. And so Penny and I left because we had support here, and Steve stayed. And so she definitely knew there was a change, but it was just, I don't know how much she really got. Now, as she got older and recognized that Steve was gay, she kind of like she saw him with his boyfriend and she kind of like they kissed one night and she like laughed about it. And then the next night they kissed goodbye again. And she was like, Daddy, you're not supposed to kiss boys like you're not supposed to do that. That's not mm-hmm. something you do. Well, and so you, you kind of got the story a little backwards there. But <laughs> this tell. is exactly what you told me. Really? Yeah. Anyways, it kind of came up about this. And then there was this conversation of, you know, people. You just love people like sometimes boys love boys and sometimes girls love girls and sometimes boys love girls and sometimes girls love boys. And it's like that's basically what you talk to her about. Right. But Penny went through a phase where she really wanted us to be together. Me and you, Jessica, where she would she brought it up. Probably. I don't know. She must have been three, four. But she would say things like, maybe you could marry mama again. And that continues. (laughs) I mean, that's a thing that I think continued for years. And then it's just part of kids processing. When she knew that wasn't going to happen. She Penny really wanted little sisters and brothers. So and she's our only child together. And so after she gave up on you and I getting back together, then she was like, maybe you could marry a girl, daddy. (laughs) Yeah, she brought that up for a while. She eventually gave up on that, too. And then she wanted to adopt. She wanted me to adopt a baby. So that she could have a little sibling. <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, there's right. been a lot of processing, obviously, and just a lot of open conversations at an age appropriate level of, hey, yes, your dad is gay. And yes, that doesn't fit into, you know, what you think is normal, but that's okay. We still love him. He's still a good person. These are, this is just who he is. And it doesn't change that we love him, it doesn't change that dynamic. We can love and accept people who believe and live lives different than us. If we didn't, life would be miserable. <laughs> right. So basically, she was, she kind of grew into this, is what you're saying. This yeah. was not something for her that was like this big shock. Yeah. Right? No. Because she was so little. Yeah. yeah. And we discussed that we wanted her to know as early on that Steve was gay. And that was something, even if we had stayed married, that I kind of just wanted her to know that he was gay. Cause I didn't want that to be something that came out in her teen years and was like this huge, like, you know, realization she had to do. Especially with. with her growing up in the Mormon church, because you yes. guys are still, Jessica and Matt are still active in the church and taking Penny with them, and Penny is active in the church. I mean, she, He's so I didn't want, him. I mean, she's learning things that very much could cause her to have a negative relationship with me, ultimately. Right, so right. I realized real early on, I think she was three, since you brought this up, Jessica, I feel like I should tell the story now. She, we were watching So You Think You Can Dance, and there's this beautiful performance between two it was about brothers and so it's two guys dancing and penny says daddy i don't want to watch this and i was like okay we can watch something else and i said but why and she said because boys shouldn't hold hands and that was just devastating to me to hear my three-year-old say that it was just like how in the world has the world already gotten to her and made her think that this is not okay for me to be the way i am and i like cried myself to sleep for <laughs> you know the next week or two 
just thinking of how, and the realization came that I need to teach her starting now that this is okay, that the way I am, you know, I I don't want to hide this from her, which up until then I had, like she, of course, three years old, she wasn't going to like, you know, I was dating and she wasn't around any of that and had no idea. And I just thought, okay, that stops now. Like she's, and that's why that night I let her see me kiss my, the guy I was dating. Good night. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to let her see this side of myself that I have been keeping from her up until now, because no one is going to teach her that this is okay except me. And so, yeah, no, I'm glad that you clarified that piece of it, Steve. And obviously, you know, those details in terms of your own process or your own experience of what it was like for you, they definitely matter. And so I'm glad that you clarified that. And so in your family, then you're saying that Jessica, you and Matt are taking Penny to church and you guys are involved in in that and, and active in the church. And how does that work, guys? I mean, this is the, whether it's dealing with, you know, the gay issue or even like other differences with, you know, families that are, you know, co-parenting like this. There's obviously going to be lots of different beliefs. Some people that stay in the church, leave the church, have different lifestyles, things like that. How do you do this without totally confusing Penny? I'm just curious what that's been like for you, how it's going now. I think a lot of people will have questions about that, right? Penny has heard from both sides of the family now here that We support people in living the life they want to live. We believe, we get to believe what we choose to believe for ourselves, and we support everyone else in doing the same thing. And that's, those are words that she's heard from me over and over, which is why, you know, I've expressed my support of her still going to church if she feels that's right for her, and Matt and Jessica, what they believe in the church. I have expressed over and over my support of we all get to believe and live the way we want to live, and I support people in that, and I expect them to support me in the same. Right. And I love that. I mean, I think that that's really important to really just, especially for children to, you know, to say to them, like, you get to choose. Like you, Mm -hmm. you know, this is, and for a lot of kids that grow up in homes where, you know, everything is congruent, right? Where everybody's being taught the same things and the parents are on board with each other. They're still even, I know with even my own kids, we still have to give them that, you know, we're not giving them agency. They have it, right? We have to honor that. We have to make room for them to be an individual who may or may not think and believe the same things we think and believe. So I love that. I think, and obviously with a situation like yours, it's more pronounced, right? Because yeah, I mean, it's just more black and white, more obvious that like, oh, there's some real serious differences here. So here's the interesting thing with this, Jeff, is that, so we are very much of the belief system that our children will choose the path that they want. Mm -hmm. And yes, we go to church, not during this pandemic, but we go to church every single Sunday and we, we do the, the church thing on, you know, on the Sundays <laughs> and after. And anyways, what I'm getting at is my children have chosen the path of not being baptized and not going through the standard, quote unquote, Mormon culture of, of what, you know, what our standards are. Whereas Penny has chosen to be baptized and to go through all of that. And so it's been interesting because, yes, we are very open about letting our kids truly decide what path they want. And it's been my kid's path of, of not. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, so that's kind of how we've navigated this whole situation of, of trying to find that balance. And the, tr- yeah. the truth is the balance is it lies within the choices of the children mm-hmm. and what they right, truly yeah. want to do. And you're not, right, you're, and you're obviously in a situation, and Steve, like you discovered when, you know, she started asking questions or making decisions about how the world was, you were like, well, I can't hide my reality from her, and that's not fair to her or me, and so this is something she's obviously going to discover. So you guys have just 
obviously, like you said, Jessica, like in an age appropriate way, you know, revealed to her all the different pieces that are at work here so that she can make an informed choice. Yeah. If there's one thing all of us have been, especially Jessica and I, with our daughter, it's open. Like we have Mm -hmm. always had very adult discussions at a child appropriate level, but we've we've not shielded her from our reality because has that been scary at all? (laughs) You know, so I remember a time it was actually after Steve and I were separated and we is a long story. Anyways, there was this moment of this realization for me of my daughter is going to be okay through all this. This is going to help her be a more loving, compassionate, open-minded human being. I just have to choose to see it that way and allow her to feel that and see that. And so it's, again, on taking kind of that on my part of that onto me of, okay, so how do I help her to see this and feel this the way I do and have felt it? I think that that created helps create those opportunities for them and helps remind me that she's going to be okay. No matter what she chooses, she's following what's true to her. And that's that's what I ultimately want for her is to follow what's in her heart. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I want to go back here. So part of the things that have made this work, too, in like Steve having this conversation with Penny and talking about these things that happened at his apartment, you know, with So You Think You Can Dance and what Penny said about that. And then also with his boyfriend, Steve came to me before Penny came back into my care and told me the things that Penny had said and the things that he and Penny had talked about so that I knew when she came back to my house that this was a conversation that they had had and what had been said so that I was prepared for that if she brought something up, if she questioned that. And I was like, that is huge. And where Good move, Steve. Yes. And And so that has been a standard that has been set in our relationship that like if something happens at our house, if Penny has a struggle with There's a, you know, in the beginning, if her and Matt had a conflict or if her and my stepson or her and my stepdaughter had something that happened, I wanted to make sure Steve knew so that, first of all, it wasn't twisted into something it wasn't. And he understands what really happened, like because kids see it through a different lens so that he can get all of these perspectives and know the situation. And kids also, as good as they might be like Penny, they know how to work a situation to their <laughs> advantage. Uh. <laughs> They're going to test that. They're going to test those boundaries of, hey, what could I twist this situation to be that benefits me? Like it, It's just growing up. It's part of the process. There have been a lot of those conversations. I feel like probably more from me directed to you, Jessica, where I've called and said, hey, this happened today, or this conversation happened today, or Penny asked me this question and this was my response. I just thought you should know. I just thought you should be aware this is what went down or this is what was said or this is how I handled the situation. So I think one so of, there weren't surprises. One of the big things, though, with this whole, I'm going to call this, so you think you can dance situation, is this. <laughs> Steve didn't <laughs> assume that Jessica was the one feeding Penny this information of, oh, is Jessica telling Penny that boys shouldn't be holding hands together. And kudos to Steve for not thinking and knowing that it wasn't Jessica who was feeding this information to Penny. Because I think a lot of times as co-parents, we instantly, at a snap of a finger, assume that the other parent is telling these kids these things. And manipulating your child, right? Yeah. And at times it is, but you know, at times it is not. And we just can't assume, but instead open up those lines of communication. And Yeah, I love that. That's a really great point, Matt, because I think you're right. It's so easy to hear something and think it's a personal dig or, or they're trying to control the situation, especially, you know, control the child's mind, right? right. That's, that's sort of where the fear is. 
And you're saying that, is that true for you, Steve, that you, you go into that just sort of saying like, okay, let's, or even if you worry about that, you just go in to clarify and communicate and be open about it so that you can just, just take that off the table, right? If there's ever a scenario that I think, if they hear about this from Jessica, or from Penny, sorry, if, if Matt and Jessica hear about this from Penny, it could so easily be misconstrued. I, okay. I take the lead on that. I'm, I'm the one to fill them in of, hey, here's what happened. And on, on the flip side, too, there have been times just to think of, you know, a situation where Jessica updated me on, hey, Matt and Penny, I don't, I don't know, I don't remember details, but there was something where Matt had to get on Penny's case about something. And you just let me know about it, Jessica. So that when I heard from Penny, Matt yelled at me today or whatever. <laughs> My gut response wasn't, Matt said, what to my kid? You did what? Like, you know, it was, no, I already knew the situation. And I was able, like, I had all the information. And my response was one of me being able to reinforce Matt's authority as her stepdad. To be able to say, Matt's your stepdad. You have to do what he says when you're at his house, honey. And I know details. You were doing this and this, and you should have been doing this. So next time, if Matt calls you on it, you better listen. (laughs) So that shut down real quick, this thing that... Any potential of her being able to play us against each other, that shut that down. Because I mean, I think over and over, Penny, you can see it in her eyes when she tries to, when she tries to twist a scenario just a little bit to her advantage, and we immediately shut it down because we already know all the details. It's just you can see this look in her face, like oh, they know, like <laughs> oh uh, dang it, they're talking. Yeah, so I think she's given up on being able to. Yeah, and you know, this goes in the opposite too. They. When she does something good or when there's these positive experiences, we make sure and share those amongst the three of us as well so that we can all acknowledge those. And she knows that it's not just like us talking and sharing the things that are happening that can cause conflict, but we're also sharing the good things that she's doing and supporting her. And we all show up for her together. Yeah. Right. That she has a huge cheering section. Yes. And, and, she- I, and, I, and I think, go ahead. I was just going to say, she does. She always has a huge cheering section. And, and I love the people that make up all the different parts of that. And I think there have been mm-hmm. a lot of scenarios where lots of us, co-parents, co-grandparents, etc., have chosen to be uncomfortable in a scenario so that Penny can be comfortable. Yeah. Mm. By putting aside whatever discomfort me, we may have with a scenario surrounding each other, but by being there for Penny. And I love seeing that for her, it's like she has no idea that there could potentially be any discomfort for anyone in a given <laughs> scenario. Because, and that's good. To me, that says we're all doing our job, that, that any potential discomfort here is not being experienced by our daughter. Yeah, that's really wise, Steve. I love that. I mean, I think that that's what we do for our kids, right? We would, we, all of any of us would take a bullet for our kid and, and these little, these thousand little cuts sometimes that we have to put up with to endure <laughs> situations, especially where you, you know, with you guys where, you know, you're having different lives, different lifestyles, different, you know, there's just, there's so much contextually with you guys that is different that you're going to end up in situations with each other that you maybe wouldn't personally choose for yourself. But for her, because you guys all share her, you guys just hold steady so that she can just feel loved and secure. I love that. That's beautiful. And I feel like divorce and co-parenting at its best (laughs) gives these kids opportunities to be loved by more people. And when you really try to see it that way, and it is hard sometimes to see that, then you can really let your kid blossom within a co-parenting divorce situation. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you can let go of those moments of jealousy and hopefully just look for more of the good of, okay, this person did this not because they were trying to take over my role as a mother or father, 
but they did this because they were trying to show love to my kid in that moment. And when you can try to let yourself see that more and feel that more, it gets easier. It still hurts sometimes. It still can be hard, but it's easier to let go of, okay, this wasn't, their intent wasn't against me. Their intent was, and sometimes it is. I get that. We totally understand that. But that's something we've really worked to see and to make an effort to understand and to do things that are just for that intent to love our daughter, not to try and override the other one's position. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. And I mean, one thing you had shared with me, Jessica, that I wanted to ask you guys about is that, you know, you had said that, you know, there are so many situations that are that are just, you know, potentially loaded for feeling offended or to judge or to take things personally. And, you know, the example you had shared was that, you know, Matt had actually taught Penny to ride her bike. And yeah. And and tell me about that situation and how you guys handled that. Because, you know, you you would sort of think as a dad, you're like, that's my right, you know, kind of thing. So what uh tell me about that. And you know, so Matt's two kids are here and they're a little bit older than Penny and they're riding their bikes. And of course Penny wants to ride her bike. And she's been riding around on her little, little trainer bike, bike for months. Yeah. And so Matt's there, we're all hanging out as a family. And so he wants to help her meet that goal. And so he took it on and yeah, so I'd just come home from work one night and the kids are out riding. Yeah, all the kids were out riding back behind at this time our house had a big alley behind it and they were riding up and down the alley and you know you could see that look in a child's eye of I want to do that. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. I'm yeah, ready. I'm yeah. ready. And so it's like, all right, throw the training wheels off. Let's go. And it's in that moment when you can tell a child just has that urge and desire to do something and accomplish something. As a parent, you have that innate sense of, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help this child do this because that determination will not go away until they do it. And so I, I saw that opportunity and I just like, I'm going to help this child. And there was, no, there, there was really no stopping the child in, in learning this. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. And that's where, you know, I, I was trying as patient as I could to, to help Penny ride her bike. And, and you know, as I'm thinking, you know, as I'm sitting there watching this and I love it because here is my new husband connecting with my daughter and it's such a great moment. And then in the back of my head, I think, oh. Not only the back of your head, but also the back of my head, I'm like, thinking, How oh, is crap. Steve going to take this? Should I be doing this right? Yeah. Yes. Is Steve going to be mad at me for teaching Penny how to ride her bike? So there's Matt asking this question, am I doing this parenting thing right? Exactly. And that is, and you do have to be sensitive because there are some situations that parents are never going to be okay with you stepping into that, like helping in those roles, even if it is benefiting their kid. And so that's something you have to be aware of. But with us, and we're in this new phase of this, we went with it and we knew it was what Penny wanted at the time. So we supported that. And I sent Steve videos, like trying to, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take some videos and send them to him. So at least he feels like, He's, he's seeing it. it. He's, he's yeah. here seeing it. And then yeah. I remember when Steve came to pick up Penny, and of course, she is stoked to show her dad <laughs> that she can ride her bike. And so, Steve, how did that feel for you? Well, I distinctly remember the roller coaster of emotions I went through with all this. So you sent me a video of Penny yeah. riding her bike for the first time. And first, I was just overjoyed with pride and just like so proud of my girl for finally riding a real bike. And then that was immediately followed up with some jealousy of and selfish questions like why didn't she wait until she was with me to do this or why why wasn't I the one that got to teach her this or why didn't Matt say no yeah. wait and do this when your dad's here or but real quickly I reminded myself this is not about me this is about Penny 
She was ready to ride her bike. This was her moment. And then the emotions turned to gratitude. I was grateful that Matt was willing to step in and invest time and energy in this moment when she was ready for it. He was there and engaged as her stepdad when she needed him. And I was, that, that was a, a good thing. And also the fact that he was willing to treat this exactly the same as he would have treated it with his own child. So I, I, I saw it as nothing but good in, in, in the end. Yeah. And but there's room for you to have a process, Steve, right? There's room yes. for you to like have all these very human and normal reactions to validate, you know, that it's, it's, a, it's a mixture of joy and sorrow, right? I, I could have taken it as a blow to me, but really what it was, was something good for my child. And I want to support, I am all for anyone or anything that brings good results to my child's life. And so that's how I chose well, to it's, see this, it's, this Yeah, scenario. in some ways I, I look at this and I think this is really the evidence that you guys, that Penny is living inside of a cocoon of love, right? That like, to her, it's, it's sort of like fluid, right? She, yeah. She's inside of her, this little cocoon. She's inside of it, whether she's with Steve in his world or with Matt and Jessica, she doesn't probably see as any division. To her, it's like, these are the people that love me. I'm doing these things and it's just gonna flow into the next one and back and forth. And right, to me, I look at that and think, there wasn't any hesitation for her. She wasn't looking at Matt going, oh, Steve going to be mad if that dad does. Exactly. She's not living in that world. And I love that. I think that you guys, this is your payday where you guys yeah. have created an environment for her where she can move freely between the environments and have these experiences that aren't disrupted or choppy because she's having to manage and protect all the parents' feelings. Yeah. This, this is one of those scenarios where the three of us absorbed any potential discomfort so that Penny yeah. didn't have to. So that she could be totally oblivious to the fact that there might be discomfort for her parents at any level. This was, I didn't want yeah. her to feel anything except a sense of accomplishment and pride and empowerment. You know, that's what she should have been feeling in that moment. Not, oh, did I hurt someone's feeling and, and oh, did I do this the right way? Yeah, exactly. And so many kids of divorce are put in situations where they have to basically start monitoring every, all the adults' feelings. And that is so harm, harmful so to those harmful. kids. I love this. And I really hope someday Penny can hear this, either this interview or hear this story and give you all a big hug and just say, thanks for protecting me and letting me have a childhood. Like, that's just a beautiful story, guys. Thanks. Thank you. And, you know, we've created a lot of conversations about this, about how we want our co-parenting to look how we want Penny to feel. And we've had, I mean, there have been times that Steve's talked to Penny like, listen, I want you to have a good relationship with Matt. You don't have to worry about me feeling bad because you have a good relationship with him. So it is a lot of communicating and just like Steve said, getting uncomfortable and recognizing what is important. And we still fumble the ball sometimes, but we pick it up and we keep going and we make it right. Penny was very sensitive early on, probably for the first, I would say, two years of you guys' marriage. She was very sensitive to my feelings about her relationship with Matt. She almost would like test the waters when she would tell me about some really fun thing she did with Matt. I could tell she was kind of hesitant in sharing those details and thinking like, is this going to hurt my dad's feelings that I really had fun with my stepdad? And I made a very conscious effort to only ever applaud those things and to support it and show that, oh, that's really cool that you got to do that with Matt. Or what a cool stepdad you have. That's awesome that he built that fort with you or whatever. I don't know. I can't think of an example now. But but uh, at one point, she called him her dad by mistake, just like she referred to Matt as her dad. And I just saw like this instant look of fear in her eyes, like, 
oh my gosh, I just called my stepdad, my dad in front of my dad. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know. My dad's feelings aren't hurt. Yeah. But I, and I don't know what I said specifically, but I know whatever it was, it set her at ease that like, I just tried to communicate to her in my words and actions that I support a healthy relationship between her and her stepdad. Yeah. And one more thing is just, there are things that you are going to know this is something I need to be there for the first time. This is something I want to be involved in. And just make sure and communicate those things. Like just say, hey, I really want to be there for this because that sets the tone of creating that respect. And okay, this is something I want to make sure everybody's involved in or who's involved in it, you know? Jessica, you've always been really good about making sure, like not even putting me in the scenario where I have to say that, where you extend the invitation to something that you know I'm going to want to be. Overextend. Therefore, yes. <laughs> I always try to overextend the invitations to make sure. I know Steve's not going to really care about this, but I'm going to put the invitation out there anyways, just so that he knows he's invited. Yeah. To really like, like you said, overextend or overdo it, or just maybe say more than you would normally think. It's like state yeah. more than the obvious, right? So that everybody knows, including Penny, that we are just working hard to be inclusive and, and understand yeah. that everybody has feelings and will have reactions we can anticipate. This is what's built into this is that we're just going to give everybody a chance to have a voice in this. For sure. Yeah, I love that. That's a great environment for, for you know for a kid to see that not only you know are you caring about her experience and her feelings, but you're caring about each other's. That yes. you really do care about how this affects each other. That you're not wanting to take advantage of someone or or do something at someone else's expense. That's I mean that's just a really safe family culture for kids to grow up in. Yeah, that's really powerful. So. We're running out of time here. I wish I could keep you guys on longer. This is great. And if people want to listen to you guys, you know, beyond this particular interview episode, you guys have your own podcast. Yeah, we do. And uh, I looked it up on on iTunes, and and it looks like there's like fifty, almost fifty episodes. You guys have been doing this for a little while, and yep, yeah. So, can you tell my listeners a little bit about your podcast and what you guys are doing with that, so they can learn more about you? Yeah. So our podcast is called Husband in Law. And if you're just starting it out, you want to go to the first episode and start there because it does follow our timeline of going through mine and Steve getting married and dating and all that stuff up and through our divorce. And then also Matt's timeline of what he experienced in his first marriage. And then him and I, we're actually just getting into the part where Matt and I get married. And that is a whole nother roller coaster as well. <laughs> Second marriages are... So hard. <laughs> like you said, they're roller coasters. Steve, you want to go ahead and tell them why we call it husband-in-law? Yeah. <laughs> so I had a dream that Matt and I were hanging out and I was introducing him to some friends of mine. And, you know, as you do, you say, you give someone a title like, this is my coworker, this is my, my sister, this is my friend, this is my whatever. So I was saying, this is Matt, my husband-in-law, <laughs> <laughs> which just seemed like the appropriate introduction for him in my dream. <laughs> so that's now the joke or how they refer to each other as yep. their husband-in-law. Like, how am I related to Matt again? He's kind of like an in-law because he's related to Jessica. That was, <laughs> must be a husband-in-law. <laughs> right. How much time do you have, right? It's kind of like... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. No, that's great. So you guys have a podcast and then Jessica, you've also written a book or a journal on here. I didn't. Yeah. So I have a book as well. And then a journal. And the book is kind of just about how you take yourself out of the situation so that you can show up better for yourself and for other people. Kind of like what we talked about in that first episode. The book is called It's Not You, It's Me. And I believe we'll have the links to that in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. And then 
I also have a journal that goes along with that that helps you create habits to kind of reevaluate situations to look at them differently so you can create a new understanding of how you can show up better in any given situation. And right now, I'm actually in the process of writing up a course to support women who are going through issues in their relationships. I've worked with women with all sorts of different struggles in their relationships. I'm also going to be doing some one-on-one coaching along with that. So we've got a lot of stuff coming down that's really exciting. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. great. And so you can find them on social media, at uh, on Instagram and, and Facebook, I assume, husband-in-law. And yep. you just, you know, it's such a unique name that I'm sure you'll find it anywhere you type it in. So <laughs> we pop um, up. pretty easy, pretty easy to track down. So, but uh, Matt, Steve, Jessica, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your message and, you know, just giving people, you know, a lot of really supportive and helpful ideas on how to make something like this that is so rife with complications and potential for destruction, how you guys are really working to make this a positive experience for yourselves and obviously for your children. I just really appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Awesome. Thank Thank you. Thank you for having us. You can follow Husband-in-Law, which is Jessica Stephen Matt's Instagram account at husband underscore in underscore law. So just husband-in-law with underscores between the words. And they also have a podcast you can find called Husband-in-Law. And Jessica has also written a lot on her uh, blog and you can find all of that in the show notes. I'll make sure I link to that. But give them a follow and just enjoy their great content. They're working hard to try and navigate what for most people would be a very difficult and touchy situation. But I'm very inspired by their openness, their willingness to try and make this work for their daughter and for each other. So I want to thank all of them again for their willingness to come on the podcast and to share so openly what has been a journey for them. And I just am grateful for the inspiring words and their willingness to do all of this. So thank you guys. And in the next episode of the Illuminate podcast, I'm going to bring on a colleague of mine, Amy Harmon, who is a marriage and family therapist who specializes in treating uh, body image issues. And we're going to have some deep dive conversations about how to handle body image issues for women, but also for men as well. This isn't something that just affects women. Pornography and all the sexualized media that's out there wreaks havoc on our ability to see ourselves and our bodies clearly. And she's got some great ideas and information on this. So I look forward to sharing that interview with you uh, in the next episode. Once again, thank you so much for all of your support of the podcast. Keep your comments and your feedback coming. I love hearing from all of you. And feel free to leave a review and let people know about this wonderful podcast. All of the interviews and all the things that are out there. There's just so much great information after 60 plus episodes. And I've just been so grateful for all the contributors that have made this podcast what it is. I hope all of you are doing well and staying safe and healthy. And I will see you in the next episode.